Uh, if you've got your Bibles, I want to ask you to open them up, <clears throat> turn them on, however it is that you do that. We are in Revelation chapter 18. We're going to finish today all of chapter 18. We're going to talk about uh, this Babylon the Great. And we talked about this last week in chapter 17. Once again, chapter 17 and 18 deals with this one subject of this mystery Babylon and mystery Babylon uh, falling and um, this religious and economic system uh, basically uh, being obliterated. And last week we talked about you know, who Mystery Babylon probably is. Uh, we talked about, uh, you know, is it Rome? Is it, you know, the Vatican? Is it Washington, D.C.? Is it Jerusalem? Is it New York? Is it the U.N.? Uh, and the most uh, credible um, option for us really is Mecca because and all the things that we talked, talked about. <clears throat> um, and so uh, this week we're going to continue looking at this uh, and try to, uh, try to understand some things. So let's, let's read through the passage. It's about 24 verses, uh, and then we'll come back and march through this, and, and hopefully uh, it'll make sense and it'll be helpful. So starting with verse 1 in chapter 18, it says, After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory, and he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in, luxur in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore, cargo of silver. I'm sorry, cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, 
cattle and sheep, horses and chariots and slaves, that is, human souls. The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, for that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and pearls, for in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste. And all the shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all who trade, And all whose trade is on the sea stood afar off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned and cried out, Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. For in a single hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, For God has given judgment for you against her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon the great be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And the sound of harpist and musicians of flute players and trumpeters will be heard in you no more. And the craftsmen of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth. And all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints and of all who have been slain on earth. And we pray that God would honor the reading of his word. Amen. So before we jump back up to the top, Uh, I want you to notice something here in verse 23. It says that uh, your merchants were the great ones of the earth. And then it says, and all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. Now, I just want you to keep that phrase in mind as we march through this. Because up until this, he's described uh, this great cataclysm that, that falls on this city and all the different ways uh, where, in other words, the judgment you can pick up on is total. There's nothing left untouched. He's, it says it's, it's total, absolute obliteration. There, there's not even the gold and the wealth and everything is burned up. Everything is gone. The people, the gold, the wealth, and also the business ventures that streamed out of it. So when this happens, it will impact the world. You following that? But I want you to see because it says in there, your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all the nations were deceived by her, watch this, sorcery. And I want you to remember this as we march through here so that we don't look at things too superficially is what I'm getting at. So let's let's jump back up here at the front, the the start of this chapter, and look at a couple of things. 
So it says, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. And I just want to remind you that when you go back, we looked at this last week in Revelation 17, verses 15 through 18. It says that, and the angel said to me, the waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated. Now this is Babylon. Are peoples, multitudes, and nations, and languages. That's the waters that she's sitting on, that the waters are symbolic of her sitting on and controlling. That's the picture of that. Her, she's sitting on it, so she's controlling these uh, massive number of peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. So her tentacles are impacting the globe. Okay? And then it says, And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. Babylon. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. Number verse 17, for God has put it in their hearts to carry out his purpose. And and by being of one mind and handing over their royal their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. I'm just bringing that back up for us to remember that this is talking about a specific city and her destruction is going to come from the beast and the nations that are aligned with them and that are worshiping the beast. You see, uh, we have a tendency to think that in the book of Revelation you got evil first versus God's people, right? And that there's going to be all these wars or, or whatever of Satan and the Antichrist trying to kill all the Christians. That's just kind of a superficial, small kind of summary of kind of how we look at it, right? But you see right here, that's not the case. There are wars going on among evil people, Right? And in here, we also see that this beast that comes up out of the pit, and I honestly believe that this is one of the watchers. That's just my opinion. Because it says everybody is in awe of this beast because it was and is not and is to come. And it comes out of the bottomless pit. And we know who God threw into the bottomless pit a long time ago. So it's just like it doesn't take you know, rocket science to figure it out. Uh, unless you forget that part of the story. Uh, and so here we see also that God puts it in their hearts <clears throat> to destroy Mystery Babylon. And the reason he does it is because he says, because even you are going to accomplish my will. Wow. Now, we could stop right there. That gives me goosebumps, right? We could stop right there and say, hallelujah, praise God. I mean, you really are in control of everything. That's good news, right? And that's especially good news if we wake up one day and we find ourselves in the tribulation period and that pre-trib rapture thing didn't happen, right? Uh, so if you understand all this, you can go, you know what? It's going to be okay because our God really is in control. So uh, down in verse 3, <clears throat> it says that for all the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. We talked about this a little bit last week on how 
if the city is in a desert area and everybody's getting drunk on her wine, how do you grow grapes in the desert? This can't be literal wine uh, because it talks about the nations have gotten drunk on it. I mean, we make wine around here. It's not like you have to go, you know, over to Saudi Arabia or wherever to find wine. Um, I mean, we got breweries all over the place now, right? Um, it's not wine. It, it seems obvious that it's oil. And that that's what everybody's gotten drunk on. Uh, I mean, even you and I are extremely dependent upon oil. Extremely. I'm assuming everybody got here today in a car and not buggy and carriage, you know, a horse and buggy. Anybody here come in horse and buggy today? Nope. Just making sure I didn't miss anybody. Uh, so we got here based on oil and gasoline. The oil kept the engine from burning up and the oil made the gas that made it burn so it could push it around and get you here. Um, if Mecca gets burnt up in an hour, we'll get to that in a second, maybe by a nuclear blast, and your, your oil and my oil is shut off except for what we can create here in the fabulous country of Texas. I didn't get one amen out of that. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not like there won't be any uh, but getting your hands on it will be a lot harder. Um, so it says here in verse 3 that they, uh, the, the passion of her sexual immorality, and that's what I want to focus on for a second here. Babylon is emblematic of a system, and the reference here at least twice, just here, but this reference is literally all through Scripture. I could have found a lot of passages, but I want to keep it simple this morning, on this idea of sexual immorality. We have a tendency to think that that only means sex outside of marriage. Does it mean that? Yes. But we need to remember something here, because we're going to read the Bible in... Okay, so we're going to read it in context. And in context here, he's talking about a city and a system. So is it just simply the physical act of sex outside of marriage? It can't be just that, right? It's got to be more than just that because it talks about the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. So what is that? What is he really, what's it really talking about here? And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I think it's obvious through Scripture that this idea of sexual immorality means false worship and false doctrine. And I'm going to show you an incredible passage from the Apostle Paul about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It is amazing when I read this, and I want you to have in mind, before, before you start reading it, I want you to think with me for a second, of the first exodus... It's, that already happened. We've talked about that a lot here. And this in the book of Revelation, and this next exodus that is still to come. Right? So that since you and I have that mindset, watch how the scriptures will all of a sudden start to just pop off the page at you as far as what 
is really said to you and I in our quote-unquote New Testament. With that in mind, watch what the Apostle Paul says. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and it's verses 1 through 13. He says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Who's he talking about there? The first Exodus, right? Okay. Um, because they, they walked with Moses through the sea and, and, and all that stuff. Okay. Picking up in verse 3. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Amazing, huh? And we know that he wasn't a, a rock. That's a, that's a metaphor, okay? But they also drank out of a rock that was a real rock. Interesting. Let me, let me before we get bogged down, verse 5, Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. We've talked about that, right? Now look at verse 6. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Now watch this examples that he starts to give us. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. You should know that story. It's the story of Balaam. Balaam keeps coming up, doesn't he? Verse 9, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction. It happened to them physically as an example, and then God had Moses write it down for our instruction. Huh. Watch this. On whom the end of the ages has come. What? Yeah. Wow. So how is he tying this together? He's tying it together from the first Exodus and the one that's about to come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he can stand, take heed lest he fall. Don't get so puffed up and think you got it all together. We need to be humble and prayerful that we don't do the exact same things they did. Okay? Then this is where he says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. That verse is used all the time to deal with personal daily temptations. Is that what Paul is talking about here? No. He's saying, look, we are just like them. When you read this, you better not say, man, they were dumb. How could you be so dumb? You walked through the Red Sea and you still acted like an idiot. You heard God speak from the mountain and you still acted like an idiot. You saw all these things and you still made a golden calf. You saw all these things and you still grumbled. God split open a rock and you drank from it in the desert. 
and it caused a river in the desert? They, they have found it. Did you know they have found it? And it, it is obvious water erosion from this huge rock. It's huge. And it is split right down the middle. And you can see where the water came out. It's in the middle of the desert. It's amazing. And they look at it and go, this can't be anything other than water erosion coming from right there. It's amazing. And yet we'll go, you saw all that and you still rebelled? You know why? They are just like you and I. And none of us in this room should think, yeah, but I got the Holy Spirit and there ain't no way I'm doing that. Right? That's why he says, if you think you're all that, can I say it in today's, although I, I, I'm horrible at it. If you think you're all that, you need to be very careful because you're right on the verge of falling. What does the scripture say? Pride goes before the fall. And don't even be so prideful in your faith that you think, oh, I got it all together and I'll never sin. I'll never be that dumb. Can I get an amen from some? I mean, I can't be. I know I can't be the only one in this room that has said, Paul, what an idiot. I don't mean you call me an idiot, although you might. You know what I'm saying, though? You just go, what was I thinking? I guess I wasn't. Right? So this is where he says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. It was common to you. It's common to them. The, all, you've seen this now, and you've got, you've, you, you're looking at it. That should help you. And then he goes, God is faithful, and he will not tempt you beyond your ability. This is not talking about just a daily experience of you and I being tempted by whatever's on TV or the Internet or in your mailbox. He's talking about the temptations that are coming that are going to be massive. And what is it that we've already seen? He goes, man, the, this deception is going to be so great that even the elect might be fooled by it. So I'm going to cut the day short. I'm going to give you a way out of this. And on top of that, I'm going to tell you over and over and over again what's coming so that you should be able to be mentally prepared for it when you see it. Okay, it says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Did you see that? He's going to provide us a way of escape and make it where we can endure. What is it that it talks about in Revelation and in the prophecies about this second exodus to come? There will be those that escape survive, and endure. This stuff is not in here by accident. That's why Paul puts all this together because he knew it. He, they, un <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> they understood this. <coughs> they understood what was coming. <coughs> they knew their Bible better than we do. <coughs> and they didn't even have the New Testament it was being written at this time. <clears throat> they weren't considering this to be Scripture. <clears throat> so Revelation 14... <clears throat> thank you, Betty. That's <laughs> great. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Sorry about that. <clears throat> so <clears throat> it says... 
He's going to provide a way for us to escape that we may be able to endure it. That's why the Scripture says, blessed is the one who endures to the end of the three-and-a-half-year period of the tribulation period. I want you to notice also in Revelation 14, verse 8, that it says, another angel, a second, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all the nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. I want you to see that that's in there numerous times. So <clears throat> the other thing I want you to notice that Paul here is making a distinction or a connection between sexual immorality and idol worship. Are you seeing that? <clears throat> I don't have this verse for you, but I want you to remember, because we have talked about this a lot, that that's exactly what he accused the ten northern tribes of Israel of. He said, even though I was a husband to you, you acted like a harlot, joining yourselves with these other gods, worshiping these other gods, therefore committing sexual, if you will, immorality, because he said, I was like a husband to you, and you acted like this, so I issued you a certificate of divorce. And he, re- he related it to sexual immorality. In the prophecies of Hosea, he told Hosea, guess what? You're going to go out and marry, watch this, a temple prostitute. How'd you like that for your ministry calling? And that's what he did. And then she had children that were not his children. And God said, here's what you're going to name them. You're going to name your children, not my people. You're going to name your children, no mercy. Absolutely amazing. And the reason he had them do that, he said, because... This is emblematic of my people Israel. She's like a prostitute. And she's giving birth to children that aren't my children. And so that's what you're going to name your kids. It's a it's when you see this over and over and over again in scripture, it's not talking about just uh, sexual relations among people. Now, should we be sexually pure? Well, of course, duh, right? But the issue here is bigger than that. That's my point. Um, Paul even relates the story of Balaam, right? You know that story. And he said they committed sexual immorality uh, and 23,000 died in a day. This plague broke out. Was there sexual immorality going on? Yes. And they were marrying Uh, their daughters uh, from Moab because the king, Balak, tried to hire Balaam to curse Israel so God would kill them. And he knew that God wouldn't let him. So he said, here's the way around it. Get your daughters to seduce their men and marry them and then teach them to worship your gods. And when you do that, God will kill them. And that's exactly what they did. Now, I hope I don't spill it. 
<clears throat> so he's making that connection. Are you seeing that? So this, I'm trying to get you, this isn't a stretch. It's pretty clear in Scripture. It's everywhere where God keeps using this metaphor to say, this is what you're doing. This is important to understand as we see something, it's absolutely amazing. Now, <clears throat> this is in the middle of the tribulation period, right? We're looking at one event out of the whole tribulation period of the fall <clears throat> of the city of Babylon. You with me? In other words, this, these two chapters are backtracking. I just read you the passage in Revelation 14 talking about Babylon falling, right? So this is two more chapters in the whole book of Revelation on Babylon. Simple question. You think God wants us to pay attention to this? He's making a big deal out of it, right? In other words, once again, this city is getting a lot of real estate, biblical real estate in this one book of Revelation. And so this is happening in the middle of the, this tribulation period, the great tribulation, these last three and a half years, and dealing with the city of Babylon, mystery Babylon, God says something that you go, what? In the middle of all that, this is where we have verse 4. It says, I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. Huh? Anybody ever hear that verse used? It's used a lot trying to tell people to get out of the Catholic Church. Just being, that's just, that happens a lot. Uh, and people that just want to ride that horse, you know, to eternity and back, you know, come out of her, my people. Come, it, it can only mean one thing it's God's people that are involved in the wrong thing. Wrong kind of worship. So that's got to be the Catholic Church. I'm just telling you, if you go Google that, it's going to pop up a million different ways. This is talking about this mystery Babylon. We've already established that the most probable place is Mecca. And God says, my people, you need to come out of her lest you take part in her sins, and lest you share in her plagues. <clears throat> How many professing Christians do you think you could find today in the city of Mecca? <laughs> right? I mean, <clears throat> if there are some, it's, they're few and far between, right? I mean, uh, of all the places on the earth in Mecca... <clears throat> Uh, and so why would God be putting this in here as a strong proclamation? He's telling us, look, this, this issue, and it's not <clears throat> to come out of the world's system. It's going to be really hard for you to go to work tomorrow if you're going to ride a horse. Right? It's, it's, uh, it's going to be pretty hard for you to go to work tomorrow, <clears throat> for some of us in here, 
if you don't have the internet. Right? I mean, y'all know that specifically. If you don't have really good internet connection, <clears throat> there's a good chance some people just simply not even going to make a living. Um, myself included, I mean, I use it. I might use it as much as y'all do, quite honestly. <clears throat> uh, all my stuff, I mean, I'm in the cloud, baby. I'm, I'm up there, you know. Uh, my stuff is in the cloud, and, and it's all acting back and forth and sometimes driving me crazy. Anyways, I don't think it's just talking about coming out of the world system. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be something different than that. Is God against technology? No. Is he against you driving a car? No. Is that sinful to drive a car and use oil? No. So what is it? What could it possibly, it has to be, look at this, it has to be false religion. It has to be, watch this, mixing, worshiping Him with other stuff. It can't be anything else when you keep looking at this. And there's something else. I want you to see something because as I'm studying this and I run across some passages and I go, what? Now that's... What? I want you to see something here. It's absolutely fascinating. Jeremiah chapter 51. <clears throat> Jeremiah 51 verses 37 through 45. Now remember, this is talking about, the other one was talking about mystery Babylon in a desert and controlling the whole earth. This is Jeremiah, who is a contemporary of Daniel, He's like a generation a little bit before Daniel. Daniel was a teenager when he was carried off to Babylon with Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel is reading the prophecies of Jeremiah when he realizes that they're going to be in captivity for 70 years. And he goes into this great prayer trying to figure it all out. And then the angel comes to him trying to show him all this stuff. <clears throat> That's who Jeremiah is so that you understand the connection. And now watch what he says, the prophecy that he gives. And then remember what we just read in Revelation chapter 18. Okay? Pay attention. And Babylon shall become a heap of ruins, a haunt of jackals, a horror and a hissing without inhabitant. They shall roar together like lions. They shall growl like lions' cubs while they are inflamed. What's that sound like? While they are inflamed, I will prepare them a feast and make them drunk that they may become merry and then sleep a perpetual sleep mm. and not wake, declares the Lord. Verse 40. I will bring them down like lambs to slaughter, like rams and male goats. How Babylon is taken, the praise of the whole earth seized. How Babylon has become a horror among the nations. The sea has come up on Babylon. She is covered with tumultuous waves. Her cities have become a horror a land of drought and a desert, a land in which no one dwells. 
and through which no son of man passes. And I will punish Baal in Babylon and take out of his mouth what he has swallowed. The nations shall no longer flow to him. The wall of Babylon has fallen. Go out of the midst of her, my people." Let everyone save his life from the fierce anger of the Lord. It is the exact same phraseology. A haunt of jackals. We just got through talking about a haunt of demons and a haunt of every foul bird. And it goes through that long list of how Babylon, the great mystery Babylon, has been found to be a haunt. And in the midst of all of that, God says again, come out of her, my people, lest you partake in her sins and lest you befall her same plagues. What is the plague that will happen to Babylon? Total destruction. And here he's saying, my people need to get out of this system and need to repent. While I believe this is why this is in here. This is referring into the middle of the book of Revelation, if you will, or the middle of this tribulation period. <clears throat> and in that, God is calling out to his people, you guys need to come out of this because if you don't come out of this, guess what's going to happen? You're going to die. Now, does that mean you're going to die and burn in hell? I don't think so. Because here it says, lest you take part in her sins and lest you share in her plagues. What are the plagues? The plagues are her total destruction here on this earth. Right? We also already know that when this next exodus happens... When he takes us into the wilderness of the peoples, what's going to happen? He says, I'm going to meet with you face to face and I will what? I'm going to purge out the rebels that are among you. So he's giving us a call over and over and over again that before this time happens, you need to repent now. You need to repent and turn to me while there's still time. Because if you don't, once this happens, it'll be too late. You won't be prepared. You're not going to be able to cram for this test with a whole pot of coffee and a two-hour study time. You're just, it won't work in this setting. Once it happens, uh, you're just... You have to get prepared beforehand. If you don't, once, it, once you find yourself in it, you're just not going to be ready. It, you're ju you just won't, you won't make it. Does that mean if you don't make it physically that you're going to burn in hell? No. But God doesn't even want us to die physically. Are you seeing that? He doesn't want, he doesn't want us to suffer physically. We just keep bringing it on ourselves because we're, we're idiots. We just, and stiff-necked. I just want to do it my way. And God goes, oh, okay. Well, uh, it's, it's just amazing. In verse 5, it says, 
Verse 4 says, Come out of her, my people, let's take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. Verse 5, For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. So the issue here isn't, it's not even if we totally understand it all. It's a matter of what does this mean to God? And here God says that He has remembered her iniquities. It's interesting when you look up that word iniquity, it's rather fascinating. Because the word there is talking about doing, let me try to summarize it this way. Doing things that are unlawful that cause harm. Folks, when we teach people that the Word of God is no longer applicable to our lives, that's causing harm. It's an iniquity. When we tell people that Jesus died on the cross so that now you don't have to follow the law, that's a lie straight out of the pit of hell. And what does it do? It causes harm because it distorts the Word of God and it distorts His honor and His integrity. It distorts the holiness of His name because He said, I am God, there is none like me who tells you the end of the matter from the very beginning. And He says that kind of thing multiple, multiple, multiple times all through Scripture. He is very concerned about His name. And He says, and I'm going to scatter you to the four corners of the earth because you profaned my name, and then I'm going to bring you back because I remembered my name. And when I do it, I'm not doing it because of you. I'm not doing it because of your actions. I'm doing it because I remembered my name. He's that concerned about it. So when we tell people that the Word of God is no longer applicable, what we're saying is God changed His mind, and what He said He was going to do, He didn't do it. It's false. And if we tell people that there are multiple paths to God, as long as you just have some kind of weird faith, it's false. And God says, I'm going to do something so miraculous, there's going to be no doubt It's going to be so huge, so global, you're not going to have to go, well, it could have worked out this way, it could have worked. If if we kind of do it, if we look at it this way, then it works. Or if we kind of, you know, manipulate a few things and kind of make it work this way, you know, then it kind of fits. He's going to say, no one is going to doubt at all. I'm going to make it so massive, so huge. You're not going to remember the first exodus. You're going to think this. I'm going to bring my people out into the wilderness. I'm going to have my 144,000. I'm going to protect my people. And then I personally am going to meet those people in those wilderness. And I'm going to purge out the goats. I'm going to get rid of the weeds. I'm going to get rid of the rebels. I'm going to bring my people. And I'm going to bring all 12 tribes back. And I'm going to deal with the world right there in Jerusalem. Because they divided my land. They refuse to believe that I am sovereign. And that's what he's doing. And then he says, and you know what? I'm going to tell you that this city is going to be obliterated. And it's going to happen. And I'm going to tell you that everybody is going to be so connected to her that when I make this happen, no one's going to believe it happened. 
and everybody's going to weep and wail because they're not going to be able to get their bagels. What I mean by that is the simple delicacies that you and I take for granted every day, you're going to find when that happens over there that it's going to impact the smallest areas of your life that you never thought possible. When you wake up and go, they, you mean to tell me they don't have socks at Walmart? What's that got to do with oil? Everything. And it starts to impact everything. And everybody is going to wail. Oh, no. How could we have let this happen to this great city? I can't get my socks. And don't think that that's not going to cross our minds. And God is saying, you need to be very, very careful. And he says that, To the extent that she glorified herself and to the extent that she caused pain on all the world through her false doctrine and seduced everybody, let her have a double portion of judgment, torment, and destruction. You just need to go home and Google the opulence from Mecca. It's it's insane. And then think, so God is saying to that level of the luxurious living and the sin and debauchery and false doctrine and destruction that all of that is bringing on the world, her torment, her judgments, her pain, the wrath of God needs to be double that portion. Wow. And in the midst of that, that's why God says, all of my people need to pay attention and take note, and you need to come out of that and repent, lest you find yourself partaking in her sins, and when those plagues come, it come on you as well. He said it once with the first Babylon, and he's saying the exact same thing again with this one. Now, once again, are you seeing a cyclical fashion in Scripture? that what has happened is going to happen, that what happened the first time local will happen the next time global. I'm not making this stuff up. It's everywhere. And every time you turn around, you run into this. So the other thing I want you to see, because it also talked about this before, but there's four verses in here. In verse 10, actually in verse 8, in verse 8 it says, For this reason her plagues will come in a single day. In verse 10, it says, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. In verse 17, it says, For in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste. In verse 19, it says, Alas, alas, for this great city, where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth, for in a single hour she has been laid waste. And then in verse 21, it says, So Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. I think all this is talking about, quite honestly, I think 
it's going to be a nuclear bomb. That's what I think is going to happen. Because <clears throat> it talks about her being burnt up. Burnt up. Uh, Y'all saw my... I try to post news articles that I think are relevant. I posted some more this week about Iran and Saudi Arabia and everything that's going on. <clears throat> and now there's serious peace talks between Saudi Arabia and Israel. And Saudi Arabia is also offering Israel billions of dollars to help them defeat Iran. Iran, as you already know, is trying to get their hands on nukes. Well, guess who Iran is in cahoots with? Shocker of all shocks, North Korea. And Russia. <laughs> um, yeah. So everybody's jockeying for position for control over the Middle East. And Iran hates Saudi Arabia, and Saudi Arabia hates Iran. And, Saudi, and Iran considers Saudi Arabia a prostitute because she has sold herself to the devil, the Western people, to get money for the oil. You seeing some correlations here? And what we shared last week about the city and, and where it is and what they're even putting together to make it even bigger and what all is happening. <clears throat> and it says that she's going to be what? Burnt up in an hour, in a single day with great violence. And that all of that wealth will disappear in an hour. Folks, the only thing that, that can even describe that, or it has to be nuclear obliteration. I can't think of anything else. Not to say that God can't do something other than what I've dreamed up in my tiny little brain. But it just sure looks to me like that that's what he's describing here. And he's talking about an alliance of people and demonic spirits. And God's going to literally put it in their minds, you're going to destroy her. And the main reason you're going to do it is because I've prophesied that that's exactly what's going to happen. And I want it to be something that nobody, nobody's even going to expect. Nobody's going to anticipate that. How is that even possible? Most people in America today do not comprehend the possibility of Iran shooting a nuclear weapon at another Arab state. It's like... That doesn't make sense at all. And yet that's exactly what I believe is going to happen. So, and I want, I want to bring your, your uh, minds back to this one point here in verse 23. Um, now I want you to see this where it says, And all nations were deceived by your sorcery. Sorcery. Folks, sorcery is dealing with demonic spirits. Now, this is what God says to His people. You need to come out of her 
lest you partake, find yourself partaking in her sins. And don't, you, you're not even going to realize it because you're just kind of, I don't know, doing you know, what the world does, right? But he calls it sorcery. Sorcery is dealing with demonic spirits tied to worship and other things uh, to get um, benefits, whatever, whatever that is. And I'm telling you that there is so much happening in the Christian church today on, on, the, on a global scale, not locally or whatever necessarily, depends on each local congregation, but on a global scale that doesn't mind being involved in the most ungodly, demonic activities. It's mind-boggling. Uh, I think it was an abortion clinic in Fort Worth just this week, I think it was maybe, where there were uh, Christian ministers, I'll say it that way, a group of them that went over there to pray over the place. Not that God would stop it, but to bless it. Walked through the hall singing praises to God and asking the God, Yahovah, to bless murdering babies. If you don't think we're messed up, you're not reading the news. There is so much activity within the church that is ungodly, we've lost track of it. As a matter of fact, we're numb to it. And we'll do anything to get the crowds in. <clears throat> Literally anything to, do the, to get the crowds in. Um, and I just simply can't play that game. And I won't. I can't. Um, and uh, what scares me and breaks my heart is that I have so many friends that are believers. I have a list that keeps, I have a Rolodex in my head that just keeps flipping of people that I want to go talk to that I've grown up with. And I want to say, <clears throat> can we just read the scriptures for a change just for what it says instead of what your theology is telling me, just what it says? Because the end is coming like a freight train. And if we don't pack the right bags, and if we don't get mentally prepared, that when that freight train hits, you're just not going to be ready. You're just not going to be ready. There's no way to be ready. When, you can't, when we can't wrap our brains around simply what Jesus said, We can't wrap our brains around Matthew 5, 17 and following. That's too difficult to deal with. And if I say, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and people get offended and leave. We can't wrap our brain around that. Then the whole book of Revelation, there is no way to understand it. No way. 
And the only hope is a pre-trib rapture where you don't have to think about it. You don't have to figure it out. You can live like a Laodicean church and get zapped out of here and just get translated from here to heaven and then everything's going to be okay and you don't have to worry about being prepared. And yet nowhere in Scripture does it talk about that stuff. And yet 90% of the Christians, that's what they're banking on. And it rips my heart out. That's why I look at you guys and think, you, you have no idea how much of a warrior you really are. I don't think you really realize how much of a mighty warrior you are. Most people will not, most people will not do what you have done. I cannot, I'm going to say this publicly, how much you encouraged me sitting in that other building when you said, Pastor, I'm really uncomfortable, but I'm okay being uncomfortable. And I told you how much you encouraged me. And you said, I don't know how. Most people won't do that. Most pastors won't do that. And you keep coming. (laughs) You, You keep coming. And, uh, you, you encourage me. And I want you to know that there's, there's time, we've got time to get ready. So don't leave here fretting. Please don't do that. I don't, this shouldn't be a downer. I'm telling you, you guys are awesome. And he said, come out of her, my people, lest you partake in her sins and you befall her plagues. And I honestly think, quite honestly, I think we already have here I think we are in that process of of coming out of all that junk, but part of that process, you got to deprogram the. (laughs) Be careful! You got to deprogram the junk that's in your head, and get to the point where you can just read the Word of God for what it says and accept it, and love Him, and praise Him, and they go, you know what? If I'm still alive when all that happens, I I think I understand. Let me give you an illustration. Have you ever gone to do something and you're in line? Maybe it was back when you were in school, whether it's sports or whatever, and the person in front of you did it and it just didn't work out too well and you're sitting there going, well, I don't want to do it that way. And you tried something else. I don't have a good reference in my mind, but just that that thought process. You see somebody else doing something. It could even be something at work, you know, as you know smashing your thumb or whatever it might be or you've probably seen things that work people weld and stuff and they mess up and you go I don't want to do that or if you're in school trying to learn a trade and you see somebody do something and you know they cut their thumb off on a table saw and you're like well I don't want to do it that way you know right uh that's what all of these descriptions and it's a it's a picture where you go that's not good now, I, I got all my digits, and I've, you know, worked in carpentry and, and used a table saw a lot. And I've had people say, can I come over to your house and use your table saw? And I usually go, no, you can't. Uh, you come over and show me what you want. I'll cut it, but you're not going to use my table saw because I'm not going out there and picking up a thumb. I'm just not going to do it. I have had people that work for me with digits laying on a table saw. I've seen my father run his hand through one and tear it up. Um, 
Those are images that now, when I, every time I'm behind a table saw, I'm usually scared to death. And the only times I came close to getting hurt was when I forgot that. Right? That's what God has just given us. In His Word, He goes, this is what happened. Are you seeing it? And I want to show you and spell it out and give you pictures and so that you see everything that happened. He even sent Cecil B. DeMille and said, let me put it on screen for you. Let the earth open up and swallow these people. Not that it was all correct, but I'm just saying He's given us all these images and especially what's in the Word of God to say, don't go there. I'm trying to show you. I'm trying to scare you enough so that you say, when it happens, you're going to go, I ain't going there. Whoa. I might be scared to death, but I'm not going there. And we're out there in the wilderness, and we got nothing to eat. We're all going to go, it's okay. <laughs> I'm not grumbling. It's okay. You mean we're going to eat some more manna bagels? Okay. You know, or I'm, you know, it's been a year and a half, and we're still eating oatmeal. How many different ways can you eat oatmeal? Man, I love oatmeal. Don't you love oatmeal? You know, like, I remember reading in the Bible when they grumbled and he said, you're going to eat meat till it comes out your nose. I'm like, I'm going to eat some oatmeal. Right? Because we know these truths. And when you don't know it, then you start belly aching and God goes, okay, well, let's go out behind the woodshed and settle this. So he's given us time to get prepared. He's given us time to repent and get right with him and get close to him and fall so much in love with him that no matter what the world throws at us, no matter what happens, we can go, God's got this under control and he's opening up my eyes to see these truths so that when it does happen, you know what? I don't have to be afraid. And the devil himself could show up on my doorstep and I can stand there and drink a glass of water and say, wear yourself out. You couldn't perform any sign that would amaze me. You couldn't do anything that would make me go, oh, wow, because I read your end and mine. And I'm a child of the king. I'm going to reign and rule with him while you're burning in a pit. That's good news, amen?